Hi, this is Erica Monique, and I am the host and creator of Natural Soul Conversations, the platform for people that are black persuasion, that are melanated, however you want to call it. You know, right now we call ourselves black, African-Americans, Afro-Americans, a black first, whatever. If you look like us, this is the place for us, all right? We're going to talk about everything from pop culture to politics, science, finance, health, education, and you know we're going to talk about sticky relationships. Whatever it is, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to do it as a family. And you know, just like with our families, we might argue, we might not disagree, but we're going to do it as a family. We're going to keep it cute, and we're going to respect each other. So sit back, relax, and Let's have that conversation. Family, welcome back to Natural Soul Conversations. I'm your host, Erica Monique. And today is yet another special conversation. I am um, going to sit down at our virtual table with um, a pillar of our community, of the Austin community. He's been serving for some years now and probably even longer than I know. And so we're going to get into that. It is Nelson Linder. How are you doing, Mr. Linder? Hey, good morning. I'm doing very well. Happy to be here. Honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I don't know anything other than you are the president of our local chapter um, of the NAACP. Okay. That's all I know, and that you have a couple of businesses. So I am going to get to know you along with our family. So let's just start with, um, you know, some background, uh, personal education, uh, professional, whatever you w- would like for us to know. Sure. Well, I came to Austin in 1980. I just finished attending the United States Army. Mm-hmm. I was born in central Georgia, so I came here in 1980, uh, enrolled in Houston Tilson University, mm-hmm. also Austin Community College, graduated in 84 with a BA in Industrial Relations Personal Management. Mm-hmm. At that time, I went into the insurance industry. Started with Mitchell Omaha, later Allstate, and I started a business in the East Austin at Loyola Springdale. I was there for seven years. Mm. In 1992, I went to an independent agency working with brokers around the around the, the country. Mm-hmm. did that for 12 years. In 2000, I was elected the branch president of the Austin NAACP. At that time, also, I uh, bought my own agency, which I had developed over the years, the Lender Insurance Agency, and that's where I am now. So I have mm. an insurance agency that's a brokerage, and also still president of the Austin NAACP. I mean, that's kind of the short story. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. And I do want to ask you, um, are you on a, are you um, speaking through a, um, through the speakerphone? There's a little bit of um, feedback um, no, no. Actually, I'm speaking just a regular old landline. Oh, I, I, I don't want any, any disruptions. Yeah, you know, I spoke on. I called on the landline. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Um. So, well, let me let me ask you this. Um. So, um, you are the current president of uh, the national or the or the local chapter of the NAACP. Um, has civic, um issues have that always been like your focal point or your your um have been an interest of yours or is it something that you just kind of saw a need in the community and you wanted to get more involved or what's the story with that well it goes way way back when i was young um 14 years old i was in a high school band mm. about 150 people and mm-hmm. we had a very good band mm-hmm. uh, at the time we only had about 30 black people out of the 150 piece band mm. 
and a lot of black folks were playing at the time what I call third clarinet. Mm. And I noticed that despite being uh, the majority of the players on clarinet, all of us were playing third. Nobody was playing second, nobody was playing first. Mm -hmm. So one day in the middle of, of a session, I asked the band on why is it that all the black folks here are playing third clarinet? Of course, he was shocked and didn't have an answer. Mm -hmm. Next day, we talked. A lot of us got promoted to second clarinet. Mm -hmm. So I've been fighting issues like that for quite some time based on where I'm from, what I see, what I know, mm -hmm. and what I want to change. So I came to Texas with a different perspective, and so I took my work here, and I've been here since that, that period of time. Mm, okay. Now, you mentioned that you were, uh, that you were, you're from, or you were born in central georgia i think that's what you said my family huh? yeah my family is from uh, lagrange georgia i don't know how close or how far that is from where you uh were born or raised it's a couple of hours because where okay. i was born is right down near near macon and um dublin and headed towards savannah so i'm mm -hmm. i'm right in the middle of the state so oh, I, wow. I know of lagrange definitely yeah yeah my I, in fact i still have a lot of family <laughs> that okay. lives in okay. lagrange but yeah yeah okay. and just like well i don't know just like you but my mom uh she went to she grew up there but she left um when she graduated high school and uh, came here for college and she too went uh -huh. to uh, Houston Tillerson. She's a couple Whoa, of years okay. ahead of you. So y'all may okay, not have been okay. there at the same time, but yeah, okay. you know, migrating, I guess that would be migrating West, even though it's still the South, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, what well, Southwest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I question that. I, I know it's South, but the best part of it, I don't know, but yeah. I, I'll go ahead and accept that. Right. Yeah. 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 So did you come here for, for school specifically or. Uh... No, no, I actually, actually I, I had got in the military and I had a friend here who invited me down. Mm. Said, hey man, check out Austin, Texas. So based on their recommendation, I came here and I enrolled in college. It was a black college here. It was HT. Mm -hmm. So I started working here, and one thing led to the other. So I kind of stayed here once I got involved okay. in business because at the time, and it, it was some opportunities here. It was mm -hmm. a very different kind of city. Yeah, I needed, I needed a fresh start, so I got one. Mm, mm, okay. Okay. Well, you know what? Since you've been here since, well, for, oh, God, what, 40, 50 years? Yeah, I've been here 40, I think, what, 41 years. Yeah. So do you, what is your opinion of, about what Austin used? I mean, I know that every city, you know, they, you know, evolve and they change and they grow, but don't, do you think that this is truly a different Austin as opposed to what it is, what it was back then? You no, not I mean? at all. Oh, really? <laughs> not, not at all. Hmm. This city has a very unique culture. Uh, I mean, like we said earlier, it's kind of confusing. They, they don't want to be Southern. They don't want to be Western. They're in between. <laughs> but the truth is, is most black people in the South, uh, back in 65, we had a thing called the Voter Rights Act. Mm -hmm. That allowed black folks to elect their own representation, and they did. And they changed the political landscape of the whole South. Mm -hmm. Well, in Austin, Texas, they had a thing called an at-large system, which is against the drain, where well, white folks here picked one black, one Hispanic, and told you who to run. Mm. That process lasts for almost 50 years, and, and as a result, uh, it stimulated the growth of everything east of R35, and people accepted that. And as a result, it created a huge racial and political wage gap that created all kinds of inequities. Mm. Although we defeated that system in 2014, I was the co-chair of the process called Can one mm -hmm. And I keep telling people, while they changed the system, they never reallocated the resources. Mm -hmm. And the resources and the equity there uh, has created years and years and years of inequity. And, and we're not going to change that by simply voting. Mm. It, it was so it was so per 
pervasive and so comprehensive, you've got to allocate resources to the communities that you destroyed, essentially, mm-hmm. for almost 100 years. And, yeah. and we have a hard time understanding that. Mm-hmm. So what we have now is not progress because the real question, the real issues have not really been addressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't mean progress as in uh, with other cities, it might be progress. But I guess what I meant is, um, like, you know, I grew up, I'm born and raised here. And, okay. you know, I was born in East Austin, lived in East Austin for a bit. And then we moved to Northeast Austin. That was, you know, I mean, it's not much, much different, but it was just it was just a different air. In my opinion, it was just a different atmosphere. And now um, I live in Round Rock now and I don't I won't drive in on purpose. I won't drive into Austin. Um, it's just it's just a different it's just a different feel. And I don't know quite right. what that is. Well, to tell you a question, what, what I'm saying is, when I came here, this was essentially um, a very segregated city. You had a mm-hmm. black community here. I'm working here right now, East Wall Street. I've been here 20 years. Yeah. When I got here, it was 80% black. You had black businesses here, mm-hmm. uh, housing here owned by black people. It was a tradition of many ways black community. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, over a period of time, that population decreased and was displaced because the cost of living here right. was too high. Right. So things like people lost their houses due to property taxes, increased property taxes, and pretty soon mm-hmm. you had gentrification. What happened is the folks who live here would, would push the communities like Round Rock, mm-hmm. Lanier, Dale Valley, even places like Buda and, and Cow yes. uh, South as well. And eventually you really didn't have a black community anymore because folks had been dispersed and displaced. Yes. And 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 Round Rock was a favorite place. For example, right now in Round Rock, you got eleven percent black population. Mm-hmm. And and you got folks from all over the country living in Round Rock, but often they're still suffering because people were kicked out of here, uh, out of their homeland, so to say. Yes. Now you got folks all over the place, and so that's a different kind of challenge. Yes. Although some things change with the with the uh, the uh, the breakup of, of the black population, to me, it was, you, you got to look at that seriously and say, well. What was the real benefit? Because clearly, mm-hmm. people lost property, they lost resources. Absolutely, they lost certain kind of control. And that's kind of what I what I was trying to explain. I, I, and I absolutely agree with you with uh, uh, on that. I when I started looking for for um, to purchase a home, I actually lived uh, in an apartment complex. I don't even know if it's truly Austin, but it's probably I call it the very tip of Austin. It's like Palmer Lane and um, like Mopac area. And um, and I lived there and I wanted to stay there. So I was looking at housing there and it was so expensive. I couldn't I had to move out, you know, as I couldn't right. afford. Right. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about it is that um, the same amount of home that I purchased in Round Rock was, you know, it was one hundred thousand dollars, literally less than what um, I would have paid if I could in right. the area I was I was in at the time. And, you know, it was honestly, it was it was really the best move for me because the area that I'm in now, we've experienced a lot of growth. And, you know, my uh, my property value, the value of my property has skyrocketed, you know. And so it worked out, but that was not the plan, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Well, it sounded like it was borderline Austin and Flugerville. Yeah. But uh, but, you know, Austin, Texas right now is still the fastest growing metropolis city in the country. Mm-hmm. But that growth is only benefiting certain people. Right. Uh, the, the cost of living here now is becoming similar to places like, like California. Yes. So what that means is black folks are being kicked further and further out. And eventually, eventually, um, because we're being kicked out at such a rate and people in general the growth rate, those areas are going to increase also. 
Place mm-hmm. flying around a lot. It's kind of believing because it has to based on the population. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I bought my first house in Round Rock, I think in 84, on the street called Somerset Drive. Okay, uh, yeah. Sam, Sam Bass Road had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But, I was, I, but it was okay. I was discovering the city. Mm-hmm. But I bought a house there and go back and forth to Austin because I worked for Meacham Omaha. Mm-hmm. So I've seen this whole thing kind of, kind of evolve over a period of time. Yeah. But the core issues here in Austin, to me, have always been political. Yeah. And I always kind of remind people, you know, when you talk about political representation, how to address inequities, those are political decisions. Mm. So if you have folks in the office who don't want to do that, they don't do it. Right. So you might call things progress, but in reality, if your racial gap and in, 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 in income and net worth and, and the ownership in terms of home, if it's not changing, you don't have really have progress because until you have changes where black folks live in these areas, own their homes, make decent wages, which they're not right now in the city. It's a huge wage gap. Mm-hmm. Those things are under the radar, and, and that, that kind of, sometimes kind of puzzles me. Mm-hmm. If, you don't, if you don't deal with rage and equity and home ownership, you're not going to change the wealth gap in this country, which is phenomenal, and that's a major problem for everybody. Yeah, black. yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you, uh, you know, what your prediction of Austin, of where Austin is headed, and I think you just answered that. But, um, you know, how can we, you know, other than just becoming more involved in, in, in more political, you know, what other ways can we change that trajectory? You know, the first thing is, um, is education. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to just say that as a buzzword, but here's what I mean. We just finished a major election here mm-hmm. in this city that were essentially in eight propositions. And I worked on five of them that we put forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, D was passed. All that said was that you have to change your elections to presidential years where you have a high turnout, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. E, a thing called ranked choice voting. What it does is, 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 it, is, is it basically eliminates runoffs where you pick the best uh, candidates for the process of elimination. Mm-hmm. In places like Seattle, that's, that's where there's more black and brown people. Mm-hmm. That passed. Mm-hmm. But ironically, the big, the big issue is ELF. And uh, one called B. Elf said that you need to, you need to change the system here to a uh, a mayor council system where you have uh, a chief executive being being the mayor, not the city manager. Mm-hmm. And the city council basically is like a legislative body. You got we got a system like that in Houston. You got one in Seattle. You got one in, in San Diego. One in Denver. They have black mayors or brown mayors. Mm-hmm. But Austin people here, because of the system, they oppose that. They 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 told folks that the mayor would have too much power. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out to them. Well, if you have power now, where's the result? Because basically, resources not being 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 um, allocated properly. Mm-hmm. East Austin is one of the most segregated communities in the country, so they are not addressing the, the issue that they created, mm-hmm. and that's a political issue. But they scared folks too much, so much they voted against Prop L. The mm-hmm. other thing is things like Prop G would give give us an extra district here because of the black displacement. We're losing our black plurality, the majority in our districts. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing called Prop H that said that public finances should be fair. That means anybody who wants to run should be supported in these communities. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you're black and outspoken and progressive, you're not going to get money from the from the main the main rich folks here, the, the corporations around the city. Mm-hmm. But if you have public finance, and guess what? The folks in your district could vote for you because it's publicly financed. Mm-hmm. That fell about 13%. So what I see here right now is that we're going in the wrong direction because we're not addressing the real problem. Mm-hmm. I had to tell folks, they always say, well, Nelson, we got to see at the table. I said, well, you've had a seat for 50 years, but what's the end result? Mm-hmm. Does your community have progress? Do we have proper representation? Are resources been allocated fairly? We all pay taxes. Then they're like, well, not really. Well, then what's the problem? 
Mm-hmm. So, so, so to me, the city is a, is a very, it's, it's at a crossroads, and we have to keep pushing to make sure everybody here is treated as human beings, mm-hmm. especially the impact on black people. And I remind people, having a seat does not ensure that. Right. The folks you elect have to be committed to, number one, addressing systemic and endemic and structural racism. And once they do that, we can make some real progress in terms of saving money, buying property, allowing our kids to have a future here, mm-hmm. and having a say-so in terms of wage, money, and income growth. To mm-hmm. me, that's, those are real issues based on the legacy of racism in this city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you uh, a question that I should know. I should be more okay. knowledgeable no, okay. on civic issues. But so you mentioned that the you uh, well, we have a city manager um, as well as a mayor. Um, okay. So where does the so where where does the power lie though? I mean, who's really um, uh, you understand what I'm asking? Because oh, we because sure, sure. isn't the city, yeah, yeah. isn't the city manager a, a black man? No, no, no. He was a black man. We had okay. a gentleman named Mark Art, who was a good friend of mine. Okay, by okay. the way, he was here for nine years. But I tell folks jokingly, we saved his job every year. Every time it was evaluation, <laughs> these same folks were harassing him all the time. They liked him. Mm-hmm. Well, because we were there. He did a great job at Women in the City. They didn't fire him. But he finally left. And now, mm-hmm. now, ironically, he's the head of the association around the world <laughs> that promotes city management government and mm-hmm. county. So it, it, we worked on the last issue. The issue or opposite sides, but we were very good friends. Mm-hmm. So the current system, right now, to your question, mm-hmm. the city manager, even though he's a he's an employee, is actually the chief executive of the city. Mm-hmm. The mayor, the mayor is just a council member in many ways, just like everybody else. It's right. a ten-one system, but he is elected at large. But from a legal standpoint, he doesn't have any authority from a legal standpoint. Right. So the city manager kind of controls the resources, but he's not a politician. So as a result, he's oh. limited in terms of things that he actually does. Oh. But they tell us, well, we have a, a, a employee as if it's if it's some sort of uh, advantage, and it's not because. I always remind people, when you talk about resources, mm-hmm. those are political decisions. And it's ironic that, that the black zip codes in, the, in, in this city, many balance too, never seem to get resources mm-hmm. on, this, on both systems. So that's why we, we challenge the system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, is that you, you, you brought that up, and then I, I got confused a little bit. <laughs> but I, I see we, yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, for example, Houston has a Houston has a has a uh, mayor council system. Uh, you know, uh, Sylvester Turner down there is black man. He mm-hmm. can make decisions while folks are always harassing him because mm-hmm. he's the chief executive. And as a result, I, I think they do things differently, and and there are more black folks empowered overall. Mm-hmm. And I tell people look at look at Denver, look at uh, look at uh, uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. look at San Diego, look at Atlanta. So. Trying to encourage folks to see things differently, and they don't—they don't tend to want to do that, and that's a problem. Yeah, but it's going to come with time. Things, time sometimes takes things, you know, different direction. Once mm-hmm. you understand what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you see that um, there is more involvement uh, within the? Because, like you say, and, and it's very apparent that our black community is dispersed. But do you see that? Um, that as things are, they it it appears that things are coming to a boiling point just um, nationally, um, and then statewide. You know, we we see and experience uh, racial tension. Do you do you think that our black communities are starting to um, unite? I guess in in um, 
or do you think it would get to that point? And the reason why I ask that is because I see, I'm starting to see a lot, I'm starting to see and hear a lot of more, a lot more talk about, um, you know, raising issues um, with black being first and, and not just having a seat at the table, but actually uh, making real change and demanding real change. Uh, do you, I mean, is that true or am I just uh, in some of these um, small uh, groups that are just talking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's a very good question. You know, ironically, I always get a question. I hear folks say, well, you know, uh, perception, perception is reality. I said, well, no, Perception is not reality. Mm-hmm. Where perception sometimes defines itself. But to your point, we're in a very new era because mm-hmm. of technology, because of the, the technology that shows us police brutality as it's occurring. It's kind of woke us up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I remind people, people still dying. And although you see something, that doesn't mean it wasn't happened before. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, I was at a, I was at a, a conversation on Austin government about a month ago, and one of my competitors was talking about you know, the George Floyd. Now, he was from Austin and was talking politics. Mm-hmm. Now, amount of him, this is amazing to me that you're talking about George Floyd because it's a national issue. And certainly, we should be supportive of, of, of solutions. Also, but ironically, when I talk about Austin, Texas, I can tell you Sophia King, mm-hmm. Stephen Scott, mm-hmm. Jesse Owens, mm-hmm. Daniel Roca, Kevin Brown. Those yes. are local people who did the same thing. Yes. But you guys don't know them. There's a problem with that. Mm-hmm. So, so to answer your question, Yes, we have a certain amount of awareness, but it has to start locally. Right. Because if you're not addressing your local problem, guess what? We're going to be waking up every five or six years because it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. So everybody has to start where they live. Right. And if you do the work there, we can connect because that's how we stop things from happening nationally. Hmm. Hmm. Let me ask you. Um. Now, um. With with this local chapter, um. It's it's representative of the greater Austin area. So that means all of the surrounding areas. Is that correct? Yeah. I work in, I work in five county area. In fact, I work all over, uh, uh, just, just to say this, uh, in fact, on June the 6th, I'm speaking in, in Edna, Texas. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of invites to small towns because oftentimes they're left out of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I go down and encourage them to, to vote, to pay attention, be involved, civic engagement and work together. Mm-hmm. But I get a lot of invites Way outside of Austin, places like even even uh, Brownwood, Texas, and, mm-hmm. and, and Quero, Texas, and places like Corpus Christi. So I do a lot of work outside of Austin addressing the same things in smaller communities where oftentimes the black communities are smaller, but they're more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a loaded question. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, because, um, it, and I'll, I'll preface it by saying this. I have a very, um, I've grown to have a very, um, definite opinion about it but um do you think that we the black community and i'm just speaking of the greater austin area that we do ourselves a disservice by joining communities other communities uh, say brown communities uh the lgbt um q communities um even the asian communities when we fight when we join our, or marry our fight with theirs. Do you think that that does us a disservice? No, I don't. I think it enhances our, our effectiveness for this reason. Mm-hmm. Whether we like it or not, we live in a constitutional system. Mm-hmm. That system says all people have, should have equal rights. Truly, black folks in America have had a distant impact. Of course, they're the marriage of other folks, too. But mm-hmm. black people, our experiences stand out. But politically speaking, I think if you can form viable coalitions, you can have more power politically. Mm-hmm. Now, let's face it, uh, 
a lot of groups here that have more advantages than we do because of cultural differences. Mm-hmm. African Americans had that culture destroyed, but if you're an Asian here, oftentimes you come here from other places, you've got resources, and so as a result, you can be in your own communities. Mm-hmm. But I think based on the fact that this is a so-called democracy, a republic form of government, you have to ensure that all folks have protection under the Constitution. For example, if there's racism against one group, there's nothing wrong with, with calling it out. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, remember that you have your own special interests. Right. And in the process of having coalitions, you don't lose that. You try to work with folks who work with you. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd say I work with a lot of people here because I, meet, I know a lot of them. And I can tell you this, when I see folks not doing it, making a two-way street or reciprocity, mm-hmm. I would address that. Hmm. So for the most part, I don't have the problem. But I do understand that that we, you got to take your own business first. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we we get absorbed in that process. Forget that you got it. You've got to empower yourself. You can't be dissolved or diluted into the process. It's got to be based on that reciprocity. I help you. You help me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, because haven't haven't we worked? Um, with coalitions and we continue to do so, but we've been doing it in the past. And it seems as though we've made small strides, but not anything of real substance. Cause we're still having the same struggles that we've had. Let's just talk about police brutality. Well, right. you know, that's been happening now for decades. Well, right. at longer, but let's just be fair for decades. So, you know, I would almost argue that, and while I do believe that at some point, yes, we do need to, you know, join um, our interests together. But, uh, you know, just like you you initially said, you said, well, you know, it starts at home. Well, I kind of see that with our black communities. You know, there's right. some fight. There are particular fights or issues that start just with us. And it's the focus, I think, should be just us. And then we can merge the other struggles together. But it seems like we keep getting lost in everybody else's struggle. Well, see, I I will say you have to know the history. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we didn't come here as immigrants. We came here as from Africa gone here. So you have to understand the history. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think I don't think the two things are can't be worked out because we all have different pathways. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying what I'm saying is because of black folks and associated white supremacy directly, we have a very unique circumstance. I don't think you need to forget that when you work with other people. Mm-hmm. But if you see a person being killed because of their ethnicity, I think it's okay to condemn that. Oh yes. yes. I, I don't think those two right. So what I'm saying is if you're really informed you you know who you are, mm-hmm. and our, niche, our issues all of this country are very different. But I think on certain fronts, when you're fighting white supremacy, it's a, there's an advantage of doing it together if we can, because that whole system of divide and conquer mm-hmm. is a major problem. Right. So what I'm saying is you need to know who you are from the standpoint of your issues, and I think a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. But for sure, based on the political realities of the groups in this country, the LGBT, and the Constitution, because the Constitution defines you know, sex, gender, all those things on the one category now, but we know that race is distinctly different. So what I'm saying is we need to remember that outside of the Constitution, but also remember that in this country, the, the law said that all people are equal, should be treated equally. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to lose your identity. Mm-hmm. Just know who you are, and when you can, work with other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I can accept that. Okay. Um, yeah, and, that, you know, that's just, and again, I just, I would say within the last year, I've come to that stance only because I, you know, when I look back and, 
And like, like I mentioned, you know, the struggles that we continue to have the same struggles, um, it's almost like, okay, that's kind of the, the, uh, definition of of insanity doing the same things and expecting a different result you know and now it's like um okay well now what else can we do to get to the next level because we've been at this level for a while and this we shouldn't still be dealing with um you know such things as police brutality now i i am definitely not against the police i have family members that are within uh you know that serve in in police departments you know and high up i don't have a problem with that i have a problem with um people who abuse their their authority and their power no matter where where they work or you know what the employment is or what their position is i don't like that and this has been a problem and it's, and even yes, in our communities for far too long, you know, right. and I just, I see where, um, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just wanting to, you know, e- explore other additional, um, strategies to combating well, this. I think you can, but here's what I would say, mm-hmm. because there has been some progress, but as far as police brutality, that's an element of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the government. So if you're in a country that's racist, whether with the chips are, are, are controlled by the same people, yeah. then, of course, as you fight that, it's, you're going to have setbacks. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we can't do different things. But, but if, if this country does not enforce the law equally, that's a political issue. Yeah. You're going to have to address that political. That doesn't mean you can't do other things. Mm-hmm. But until, until you deconstruct white supremacy where the police and the other folks can't do this and get away with it, in other words, once you get them indicted and convicted and put in jail, it will stop. But the truth is, we're fighting a, a, a political battle here. Yeah. When we elect people that, that have a certain kind of empathy, a certain kind of morality, you see time for progress. But the truth is, it's a political system. So you might get a, you might have a Barack Obama who had his advantages and disadvantages. Mm-hmm. You might have a, a, a Donald Trump who was a complete fool, white supremacist. Then you got Joe Biden. So those things happen politically. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. You learn from experiences, you focus on economics, you focus on wage building, wage building, uh, home ownership. You've got to build your own financial institutions. There are things you can do, but at the same time, from a political standpoint, because white supremacy is so prevalent, mm-hmm. so institutional, you've got to fight those battles based on what you've learned and hopefully by enforcing the law. And I, I can see things happening uh, right now, for example, I hadn't seen it happen in the past five or six years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to ask you another loaded question then, because um, I, I now I'm very interested. So, what is your position on reparations for uh, specifically for blacks? NAACP has always supported reparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and other groups too, but see, I'm dealing with, when you say reparations, you're talking about a specific group. You, mm-hmm. you can't put it all in together. Mm-hmm. Folks try to do it, but that's how, that's how we do. Right. If you say, for example, when I say reparations, I tell folks, let's start with the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what the definition of reparation really is. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can show what group of folks have been treated unfairly, had the land taken, the lives taken, and as a result, that, that condition creates an imbalance mm-hmm. in, in their quality of life. That's the standard of reparation, whether it be Israel, whether it be Native Americans. You might have saw recently what, what Joe Biden talked about the Armenians because of the genocide they went through. Mm-hmm. So when I talk, we talk about black people, to me, it has to be just us specifically because nobody has our experience. Right. That doesn't include other people, but when you talk about excuse me, reparations, you're talking about a group of people that had a certain kind of experience. Mm-hmm. We, we were kidnapped from Africa. 
Our country was basically destroyed. Mm-hmm. We were slaves here, built America. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's a clear case of, of what, what reparation is. So nobody else can steal that. You can't steal our history if you know it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're gonna have to focus on number one, holding these local governments accountable, dealing with restitution, reparation, but also have the United States abide by international law. Mm-hmm. This is international law. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what that's what we have to understand. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if you look at the United Nations, I, I always tell the story. You know, you got all these permanent nations that have a voting power, right? Mm-hmm. If you call those people out, you got America, you got France, you got England, you've got uh, you've got uh, China, you got Russia. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, you don't have not one black nation in the world that has voting power, really, at the United Nations, mm-hmm. which is the whole problem. Because if you don't have political support. You're not going to have a country like Israel, which, by the way, was given land by United Nations vote. And mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's that's a good example. Mm-hmm. But but the Palestinians have nothing. They take mm-hmm. their land. Mm-hmm. So, to your point, our case is is, is 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 compelling. But once again, it's a political issue. We need to fight for ourselves. Remember who we are. We're very unique, mm-hmm. and keep pushing things forward. And right now, we've got some traction, by the way, on reparations all over America. Mm-hmm. But we got to stay focused. Remember that we got to keep pushing the issue. Right, right. Do you think that it's it's challenging because you know we're talking about it because we we have our people were stolen from various countries within Africa. Right. So right. it wouldn't be I mean, we're we're not talking about having a voting power or a voice from a continent. We have to have it from those countries. But we don't even know. We know some of the countries that potentially um, some of us come from, but we don't know all. I mean, don't do you think that that makes a difference? No, okay. that's, not, that's not even part of it. No, that's not part okay. of the equation. OK, no, no, no. I mean, for example. Israel didn't. I was used not to go there. Black Jews, they're not included. So what I'm saying is, because you have different nations in Africa, all continents have different nations. Europe has different nations too. Mm-hmm. But under one umbrella, they call that United Nations. Okay, that's what they're for. All Africans not gonna have a vote on the United Nations. Mm-hmm. They elect, they elect certain nations to represent them. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about reparations, I'm not talking about black people here and in, in, in those those in Africa. I'm saying even in America. We have to deal with reparations based on what we went through here. Mm-hmm, right. But it doesn't matter if you're from a different country, whether it be Nigeria or Ghana. It doesn't matter. What matters is Africa is a is a continent, okay? It's the second largest continent. Mm-hmm. And at one point, it had a unified state. So whether we like it or not, we are people of African descent. Mm-hmm. From an international standpoint, that's how you get this thing done internationally. I mean, for example, Israel. Mm-hmm. They don't do it because they live in Israel. Many people who run Israel came from Europe. Mm-hmm. So Europe and America, if you notice, is very supportive of Israel. Mm-hmm. So our country has to be the same way. Right. Asia is no different. But getting back to America, let's start with America. The things we went through here, mm-hmm. the Civil War. That's why in Austin, Texas, after 1865, they had a thing called the Department of War, and it gave black people land. We went out in Texas and had all these independent settlements mm-hmm. because the government gave it to us after the war. Right. Well, the city of Austin took it back. Yeah. We want to st- we want to start there and not make it too complicated, but. Now we don't have to bring Africa together because it's, our, it's a continent, mm. and so like like all like it's like North America, it's like America. Those continents have a certain unity and they have a seats in place in the United Nations. That's where mm. the stuff comes from. It's an international concept based on people's experiences and the struggles and what they went through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That way you deflate that argument. Mm-hmm. It's only it's only applied to black people. I mean, for example, we talk about giving all these other nations reparations, but we don't talk about 
the Congo or Zaire, one of the richest countries in the world where the Europeans, number one, they had the president assassinated and took all the resources, the gold, mm-hmm. or things like South Africa. So, yeah, on a certain plane, there's each individual nation, but we're talking about an international concept where many black people, regardless of where you came from, yeah. were subjected to inhumane treatment, and that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let me let me ask this. So, sure. you know, and I get that, but there are black people. Okay, because to me, there there are two different, or maybe more, but at least two different issues to con- to to examine or contend with. So the first one is those of um, uh, the descendants of slavery. Okay, um, that's one issue. All right, but you have fam uh, uh, blacks that that are not descendants of slavery, but they are mistreated because (laughs) probably because they're black. So wouldn't we, uh, wouldn't we frame reparations with at least those two individual points in mind? Because those that migrated here and that are not descendants of slaves, um, they're not part of that struggle because they could be just like any other person, but they do have a, a fight and that needs to be recognized. But then those that are descendants of slaves, that is a fight. You know, that is a, a issue that needs to right. be addressed. Right. I, I would say though, probably we want to divide an issue and make it, I mean, why do that? It's mm-hmm. not necessary because nobody's arguing that folks that come in today who came to their own free court are getting reparations. Nobody's saying that but us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a problem. Why do we focus on, number one, the issue itself, based on the United Nations law? Mm-hmm. That, number one, if you came to this country as a slave, you were kidnapped from your continent, and as a result, when you came here, you were also treated inhumanely and enslaved for how many years, 40 years, mm-hmm. where you took people's properties to other families? That's the argument, mm-hmm. not when black folks got here. So that's not even an issue. Nobody, that's not even an international concept. Mm-hmm. All, we're the only folks in the world that do that. So the idea of somebody coming here who's not a slave, that's not even under, that's not even under, the, under the umbrella. What we're saying is reparation is an international concept. It deals with land, property, and where you came from. And what we say is that if you are an African-American of, of African descent, mm-hmm. you came from that continent, you can totally trace that. Even if you're not a slave and you didn't immigrate here, you can trace your lineage. But we're talking about a concept where you came to this nation against your will, and as a result, this country evolved based on using you uh, without, without paying for your labor. Mm-hmm. And I'll say in many ways, destroying your quality of life. Right. Because that's how it's viewed, for example, in Israel and all around the world where you've had it effectively. The Native Americans, their concept of reparations is that they were Native people, and the Europeans destroyed the homeland. So now they have, like, for example, these casinos that they own themselves. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you go to these casinos, you'll notice they even have separate governments ran by their own people. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the concept of reparations. So the idea of where we came from and, and somebody came here on our own, that's not even covered under reparations. We don't have to even go there. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about the folks who are here who did have the experience, who came in initially. Because clearly, if you have the right to go fly across the world and go to different places, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the folks who, who are here now, who have a history and a lineage of, of slavery, and who were taken from that continent. That's a whole separate conversation covered by international law. Okay, and, and and I'm I'm trying to follow you, uh, in because I'm also there's a little bit of the feedback, so I'm I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, well, look, well, look at Israel. Mm-hmm. And many of the folks in Israel today they don't live in Israel. They came from Europe. Right. But guess what? <laughs> they have the benefits of being Israeli citizens. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how that we have to be real careful with that question because it, mm. it's kind of a trick question, and it's not even relevant except for black people. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and and I get that, but but the but still the issue is um like like um countries like or the just like Israel, it's still it's different because even though they experience you know certain atrocities, that story is not like this. And it's still there is a difference from, and I'm not saying necessarily because there were there were not a lot of them, but there were blacks here in this country during slavery that weren't slaves. But that's not the issue. That's mm-hmm. not when nobody's arguing that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's arguing that at all. If mm-hmm. folks were here in this country and they weren't slaves, they still were subjected to reparations to, to to racism. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you came here and I was a slave, you telling me that because folks were here, they didn't experience racism? No, I would I'm not. I'm not saying no, that. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just. What I'm saying though, if you here and you weren't a slave, so what? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you can, we can find within your family cases of where you treated improperly. It's already documented. Mm-hmm. So if you were here not a slave, mm-hmm. that, that that doesn't say, well, you know what? I'm not a part of addressing this racial injustice as a class of people. Mm-hmm. We're still we're still black people. Right, right. No, and you, I, maybe I maybe, you, maybe you didn't go to see. It ain't based on you being a slave just here. Uh-huh. It's based on the whole experiences of how you were treated since you've been here mm-hmm. and how that that process affected your human development. Mm-hmm. And I would say, even if you were free. You are free to be. You are free to live as you please in this country, that's regardless true. of whether you had slavery or not. That that's where the, that's where the argument disappears because it's not it's not valid. Hmm. Okay. Um. So I, you know, I I can still raise some points, but I'm not going to because no, I'm no, because no, I'm no, also you can, raise, you can you can you can raise points, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I mean, but it's, it doesn't. I mean, for example, my great great grandfather was one of the richest men men in Dublin, Georgia, mm-hmm. after the Civil War. Okay. He owns thousands of acres of land. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there by then, but I'm, 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 I'm his ancestor. Right. What happened is, after, after the Civil War, what thing called Reconstruction, what black people did very well, by the way. Mm-hmm. But in 1877, they had an election that resulted in a tie between mm-hmm. Samuel Tilden and, 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 and Hayes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, think about, think about this closely. This was a tied election in 1877. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. They had a meeting. The white folks met together. They said, look, we're going to give the Republicans, uh, we'll give you the presidency if you take your troops out of the South. Mm. And the troops there in the South to make sure that black folks were being protected because, remember, we wanted a civil war. Mm-hmm. What happened is, what happened is, the Democrats gave the, uh, they gave the Republicans the presidency, they removed the troops. And mm-hmm. folks like my great-grandfather, they took their land, in many cases killed many of them, mm-hmm. and the South has never been the same, and reconstruction came to an end. Mm-hmm. So as, as a descendant of that, I'm entitled because right. that land goes through families. So that that's that's what's more prevalent, not the few folks who weren't slaves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can count those people if you really want to. The mass of our people went through that process, and whether they were slaves or not, they still had disparate treatment in terms of opportunities in this country. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 why it, that, that's why it emerges as one issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I get that, and I I guess my, my whole issue is um, not that you know, one group is not deserving or can be a recipient of reparations. I'm just saying that, um, okay, on a, on a macro level, yes, the, you know, we, we, the black community, um, nationally, we deserve this, that whatever that, that reparations turn uh, in turns out to be. And then to me, it seems like there should be a breaking down because then there is certain things that need to be addressed uh, that others may not be a part of. 
And that's all I'm saying that it that I still think it needs to be pared down even within. And that's not that's not something that other communities, i.e. white people, need to be. Actually, I don't think they should be a part of any of the conversation. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but they definitely when it gets to the ma- micro level, they definitely don't have a conversation or, you know, anything. And I'm not even suggesting that. I'm saying this is a government. This, this whole thing is a governmental conversation. That's what mm-hmm. reparation is. So whether we like it or not, they're going to be a part of it because it's, well, it's, it's me, the government me, of the United States, right? Right. right. What I mean, I mean it's, is, it's the, it, yeah, yeah I understand what I mean. personally. I understand yeah. that, but I'm saying this whole concept is about again. Mm-hmm. I think the international law definition is is is, is, is so relevant. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what you, we can talk about other aspects of it, but the law is very clear what reparation is. Mm-hmm. That's why I said all over the world based on conditions. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that black people, not 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 the few who didn't have to deal with slavery. Mm-hmm. I'm saying black people in general. Fit that definition probably better than anybody. Got Native it. Americans fit it because it was here and what they went through. Got so it. when you talk about reparations, what did they go through? Well, they took their land and killed the people. Yeah. So they came back with reservations, and now they have a certain amount of autonomy because they have these these uh, gambling casinos. Mm-hmm. But again, when you talk about uh, the Armenians, and you talk about where folks have been destroyed, mm-hmm. or you talk about people in Africa and the fifty four nations. Uh, you can talk about Ghana, and you can talk about you can talk about all these nations. Mm-hmm. But the concept is the same. Yeah. Okay. That, that it's, it's a broad concept that destroyed the quality of life of people, the way of life, and primarily taking people's land. Mm-hmm. Even today, the African governments don't have independence, truly. Right. A lot of their resources still in, in European banks. Right yeah. now, they're talking about how do we get that money back. So they're having the same conversations, too, right. uh, in the same way that we are, but they have their own nations still. Yeah. And so they're under, under, under a different kind of umbrella, and that's an advantage for the most part. Mm-hmm. Now, us in America, uh, those of us who came were African centers. We're having a similar conversation, but in a different space because we're not in individual nations controlled by black people. Now mm-hmm. we're we're part of this this American mosaic. Yeah, and that's that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I just you know I don't like the idea. You know, and I understand. You know, at on a large on a on a certain level, yes, we're having we have to have conversations with the government. But as far as I guess what I meant was determining you know, what our, what those reparations would look like. That's the problem that I have because, um, to me, that's, that's asking, that's asking them that owe us, um, give us what you want or, you know, saying, give us what you think we should have. And I don't think, I, that I don't think, I don't think it's in it at all. Mm-hmm. It's like a lawsuit. When you have a lawsuit, mm-hmm. you're saying this other party is accountable. Right. You're not talking about what they give you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, for example, if folks steal your property, you take the court and you win, mm-hmm. they got to give it back to you. That's all you're mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. You're not making this a fractional conversation. The concept is general. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about, deprivation of land, deprivation of freedom, mm-hmm. deprivation of right. That's an actual concept. Mm-hmm. So we're treating a whole other conversation that doesn't have to even occur. Right. When you, when you, it's like filing, it's a, it's a transaction suit. Mm-hmm. When you, for example, I deal with the law all the time. When you got a company they had discriminated against white folks who work at that company. Mm-hmm. We're not breaking this down. We're saying your policies have had a disparate impact on everybody that works for you. And guess what? You lost a case, now you're paying a settlement. We see it all the time in, in, in medication where they, they've done black people wrong. Mm-hmm. We see it in employment. That's the concept for it. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to break it. I mean, the government has to do. It's a government issue. Reparation is a government issue. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't file it. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Right. It's always given. Uh, and, and, and to go back. That's why when, they, when the Jews, remember, it's, it was based on the German Holocaust. It was based on the extermination of, 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 of Jews. Mm-hmm. We don't even talk about the number of black folks who lost their lives in the Middle Passage. Mm-hmm. So this thing gets, gets broad, but it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. You're talking about what governments did 
to affect this process. Right. You know, we talked more about reparations. There was this was not my plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay, but but see, but see, it's good because we need to understand that these are not just individuals; these are government concepts. That's mm-hmm. why in Africa today, they can tell you what nations came there and did this stuff. Whether it be Germany, America, they got it all documented. They yeah. can tell you exactly what they took, what they did. But that's why it's international law mm-hmm. in a place called the Hague in the Netherlands. That's where their court is, and they established this thing a long time ago. How it should it be done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I tell you. Um... I know that, you know, certain um, towns, because it's not, I haven't seen any states, but I've I've heard and read of different towns mm-hmm. that are definitely um, taking the idea of reparations more seriously, at least the, uh, more seriously than I've ever seen or heard of it before. Um, and I think some towns have even started some type of reparations. I'm not sure. Um, yes, they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that I, you know, we will see some of this, um, but I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't. I'm not even hopeful. It's going to happen because mm-hmm. it has to. Because yeah. number one, nations are involving. Mm-hmm. United Nations, which America is a part of, is making settlements and demands right now. Mm-hmm. The law is very, very clear. Yeah. And again. Our, our status as a people, we fit under that, that umbrella perfectly. Yeah. If you think about it as class action, it becomes a lot clearer. Yeah. It, it's a class action settlement based on certain folks that meet that criteria. Mm-hmm. But the folks who came here who weren't slaves, they say, you know what, I don't need, that's their business. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about a class action settlement that applies to a people who were, who were basically deprived of their land, their property, um, their right to life, their resources, as mm-hmm. I mentioned my great-great-grandfather. And, and it has a big impact because you know what? If he wasn't deprived of that, I probably wouldn't be in Texas. Mm. Okay. Well, okay. So, so it so reparations is the return of land, um, cash. Would that be included? Well, well, I would say return of land. I would say compensation. Okay. I would say compensation specifically. Mm-hmm. I would say compensation. In some cases, right now, we're dealing with return of land. Mm-hmm. Uh, the folks that have things that happen in Rosewood or Tulsa are going to be different kind of settlement. It could be it could be resources or monetary mm-hmm. um, things like it could take many shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, black folks lose land at the faster rate in the country. We lose all of our land. Yes, based on encroachment and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, but it could it could be monetary things. And it could be education. All kinds of things you can use to to re- try to repair mm-hmm. or replace. Hmm. Hmm. So. What do you think about um, was the first day, first 30 days when President Biden signed over the form of, <laughs> well, it was a, a, a bill, right, uh, that he, he uh-huh. signed um, that was giving uh, Asian Americans certain protections, right, or certain protection. And I think there was some, I'm not sure, but I think there was some type of monetary attachment to it. I'm not sure. But what you know we have our 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 black communities that's that's rising up and that are being very vocal against uh president biden and vice president harris um what are your views on that is it misplaced or displaced or is there some okay. some truth to it well well biden didn't give agents any money that's, that's not that's not okay. Okay. at all okay what biden did is when these hate crimes were well, documented, and, and they were 150 Asians. He did what they've always done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have hate laws in this country that covers all groups. 
mm-hmm. that are certain minority. All he did was talk about the fact that because of these, these attacks on Asian people, there are hate laws that address that. He just did executive order. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying is, look, because this is such a bad situation right now, we're going to address this. Nothing against white people because mm-hmm. we're already under that umbrella. We fight it every day. I've, I've dealt with hate bills before. We got one in Texas. All he did was make sure that the Department of Justice made, made a point to make sure they emphasize that these crimes will be treated as hate crimes, which gives them kind of an additional priority. That's mm-hmm. all he was doing. Okay, okay, okay. Well, what about uh, the claim that was made uh, during the the state address that well, he didn't say it, but um, who was it? Um, Tim Tim Scott made. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to I want to ask because uh, I mean, you you are, you know, very you are dialed into the political arena. I am just now <laughs> dipping my toes into it. And I just want to know what you you know, what your thoughts are when he said that this country is not a racist country and then echoed again by um, Vice President. Harris. Look, 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 Timmy, <laughs> Timmy Scott, let's, let's face it, let's go back to the beginning. Okay? <laughs> in this country, we've always had black people who lived in the master's house <laughs> to make certain kinds of arguments to make sure they could get by certain things. <laughs> Timmy Scott is a Republican tool. Yeah. He was given that, that, that address to do one thing. Number one, to try to deflect what Biden was saying. Number two, to try to cover the white racist Republicans. That's nothing new to us. Yeah. We see him every day. We've seen him for 300 years. So what he said was what they always say. He's a part of the Republican Country Club. They gave him a strip, and he read it. Yeah. The bottom line is, we smart, now we know better. Yeah. We know that people like that who've been given a, a few resources and a little microphone when it's convenient, always do that. It's part of, hey, they did it in that Turner, they did it in my vest. Anytime black folks rose up in this country, we've had a, folks like that come out by the master, say, say this for us so we can say, okay, this black guy said that. But mm-hmm. we're we're smarter than that. We need to vote the big numbers to get those kind of folks out of, out of office. But that is always a... Uh, an aspect of white supremacy mm-hmm. that we need to just understand for what it is. We go around it and we keep going forward. Yeah, yeah. Would that also apply to uh, Vice President Harris? I'm sorry? Would that also apply to Vice President Harris? Well, well she's not, no, I mean, I, I don't see her as well. I mean, what, I mean no, no I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't compare Harris and, 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 and Timothy Scott. Uh, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris, her policies are very progressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's basically supporting the Democratic agenda. Now, that's mm-hmm. not perfect. But there's no no comparison between her because she's very supportive of black people. Mm-hmm. I don't see any of our policies against black people, but because she's a Democrat, she's trying to work with a platform that was passed when we elected Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. But hers has got a, a night and day in terms of our policies, impact and fight. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden's policies had the largest impact on black people already in probably 40, 50 years. He's been compared to the New Deal. When he did the American Rescue Plan, that one plan in itself cut black poverty rates by almost 25%. Hmm. That's that, we ain't talking about that. That's incredible. So when you create fair policies that are designed to address racism, yes, it benefits. It benefits black people. Mm-hmm. The problem is we have very seldom had that happen in our country. LBJ did some of it during his uh, Great Society. Uh, Kennedy's New Frontier did some of it, but that was a white backlash. Mm-hmm. But what Biden has done already in terms of impact is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So I just really need to. Um... I need to become knowledgeable of it because I I don't know um, I don't know all of the I don't know any of the 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 finer points of of what he signed into law I don't know anything about it um, I don't know anything about no, but it. That, that, those are good questions those are very good questions mm-hmm. and, and I, I forgot to mention something I mean for example 
look at the black farmers in this country. Mm-hmm. For so many years, they've got no federal relief from anybody. Yes, that's correct. And, and by the way, they've had the greatest impact. People's taking their land. They mm-hmm. can't compete anymore. They don't have any subsidies. Right for us to get all kind of money from farms. Right. But we've lost like 90% of our farmland since 1900. Mm. Can you can you imagine? Mm. I mean, not. I mean, we're losing our land like crazy. Yeah. And so when they when when they talk about uh, black folks getting benefits, that's not a handout. No. Uh, what we're saying is we want to be on the same umbrella as as the white farmers. Well, what Biden did, um, if you look up uh, how Biden's stimulus plan, for example, aided mm-hmm. aided uh, black farmers. I think it's like five billion dollars mm. for the first time. For the first time, black farmers got payments mm-hmm. from the uh, federal government. In mm. almost 40, 50 years. Wow. And, and so, but we don't talk, and that's amazing. And if you look yeah. at the black farmers and the president, is right there. Mm-hmm. They were elated to see that happen because it, it hadn't been happening. So, that in itself was a major change in policy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm definitely uh, going to be doing some homework and getting and becoming more knowledgeable. Um, you know, I'm sad to say, but, you know, I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, I've kind of been existing in my own little world. And now, it, you know, y- y- you wake up and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> this this is much larger than, you know, my little world. You know, I need to become more involved. And I can't become more involved unless I know more of what's going on. Right. You right. know? Right. And the good thing is we got to assess so much information, right? Here it is right here. Let me just read this. It says, release bill is most significant legislation for black farmers since the Civil Rights Act of 64. Mm. John Boyd is a fourth-generation farmer and president of the National Black Farmers Association. Now, Biden gave that group $5 billion. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, I saw a um, a documentary um and it had to do with with black farmers. And, and so I, I am a little knowledgeable about that. And I know that, you know, the white farmers, they actually farmers are suffering. The farmers are suffering, period, but not at the right. rate that the black farmers are suffering. And so right. that that piece of of knowledge and and of, I am definitely going to read up more about it. Um, that gives me a little small ray of hope. <laughs> <laughs> to be well, just so you know, now you remember that Donald Trump when he put those those subsidies on China, they got mad. And what happened is, America bailed out the farmers. But guess what? Mm-hmm. They didn't bail out any black farmers. It was all white folks that got the money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. See things things like that. So how are you gonna how are you gonna protect the protect the farmers because you made China upset, but you failed to include black people. Mm. Wow. So how was he? How, how was that? How were they able to do that? Um. Very I'm, easy. Okay. <laughs> As the president of the United States, when you when you write a, write, uh, a measure, mm-hmm. you, you got support of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and in many cases even the House, and they pass it. It can be done. Mm-hmm. They don't call that racism. They're just they're just writing in a way where to address the white farmers because he white people, mm-hmm. despite being farmers, we have lobbied for everything. Mm-hmm. We're not under one umbrella. We're under separate umbrella because under us, mm-hmm. remember now, they're taking our lands anyway. Mm-hmm. They're not doing this to the white farmers. They might not be farming anymore, but they're not taking our land. Black folks, they've taken our land. Mm-hmm. So you can write a bill that's very exclusionary, as many Republicans have. So under Donald Trump, he did that intentionally. Mm-hmm. He made sure that that money went to white farmers. Now, what Biden did was reverse it. Biden made sure that everybody got money, and, and, and black farmers got a large part of it. 
based on his executive action. That's how that happened. Wow. Wow. <sighs> okay. So I just have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually, actually, you don't. But you know what? Mm. Because you're raising the right questions. Mm -hmm. So the work you've done is raise the question. That's what you do. No, All I right. think you're very informed. And so these are great questions because I don't get these kind of questions every day. So, so you're you're, you're on top of it. And you're supposed yeah. to do that. You're supposed to raise the question and demand answers and talk yeah. about it. That so you've done you've done what you you know what you should be doing really. Well, yeah. you know that's part of what um this this platform is is meant to do. You know, some uh -huh. of it, you know, a very small part of it, you know, because. You know, I call it a decompress, you know, and so we, you know, we'll yeah. talk about some light issues, but it's we want to talk about things that, you know, again, affect our community. But we don't want or I don't want the fragility to come into it. You know what right. I mean? Like so right. often it happens. And, and I was right. finding that when I talked to my wife friends, it was always some type of comparison. And it was it. And I don't know if they meant to do it, but it will always mitigate or try to mitigate or minimize, that's the word, right. you know, our, what we are currently going through and what we've been right. going through, you know, what we right. have gone through. And I just got tired of it. <laughs> and so. And, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. right, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I get that. You know, studies show right now in America mm -hmm. that the biggest difference between white wealth and black wealth is inherited wealth. Mm. What it tells us is without the vengeance of white supremacy, we'd be on the same plane. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a moment. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So that would, so so <laughs> we have to be very very clear about these policies, how they gave white folks land, how they gave them advantages, how they lied on about life exchange policies, create endowments, what black folks couldn't even buy radical policies. Mm -hmm. So what we see in America today is the end result of racist sustained policies that benefit said groups of people. Mm. Mm. Well, you know what? Uh that was a, a great statement to end our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Linda, this has been a very uh, just enjoyable and informative conversation. Probably um, one of the best conversations aside from my sister, I have to say. You know, um, she uh, is Katina Irvin, um, and we she's a an attorney in in L.A. and so she talked about um, pre-trial diversion, all these things that I don't know about, but it was very informative. And so, you know, you two are at the top <laughs> of the conversation. Well, well, well. I'll say this briefly. I met her as a young student, mm. and she always she always impressed me because she always wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And we developed a very very firm relationship. Yeah. And I'm glad she didn't forget me because I was so proud of her. Yeah. Her work today does not her work today does not surprise me because yeah. I mean she was on it a long time ago, mm -hmm. and I think the world of her based on her commitment mm -hmm. and the fact that she didn't forget she's still yeah. working to make this world a better place. Oh, yeah. That to me. Give him a lot of encouragement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, she, honestly, I, I thought for a short, short time that I would also go into law, but I was thinking entertainment uh -huh. law, you know, okay. <laughs> something. Hey, nothing wrong with that. No, it's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with it. All. But she's in the <laughs> trenches, though, in all honesty. I, I know. And I she's, know. But she always was, though. Mm -hmm. She came here in the trenches and, mm. and I talked to her. And she'll tell you that. Yeah. I always made time for her because I knew she was sincere. Yeah. And see, it's those kind of people that make the difference. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to love hearing that because she listens to the show. 
<laughs> and I, I don't ever pay her compliments, so she's going to love this. <laughs> no, 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 she is incredible. Yeah. She is unsoft. Your bloodline is there. I know it is. Yeah. She's in the family, so but she is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I'm, I'm so yeah. sorry she left Austin, but she did the right thing. She went yeah. to a place where she could be developing kids. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah, and then, you know, and she's still reaching back here. Um, we're going to develop a, a – yeah, we're going to develop a, a virtual uh, law clinic, um, and she's going to be, you know uh, – yeah, informing us and educating us virtually. So she's still reaching back, you know. She oh, I know, I know. I yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised to hear about I've always kind of stayed in touch, so mm-hmm. she reaches out occasionally and we talk a little bit, but no, that that's this is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely don't want to be a stranger uh now that, that we have connected. Um and I, I really do need need to make a point to because um, I'm not a member. Uh, I need to become a member and to really just become more informed and get involved um, just so that I can, uh, you know, be be more of a of of a use, you know, um, right. in the community. And I right. really sincerely uh, am saying this. So um, I want to thank you again. I, I'm definitely going to um, do more uh, <laughs> reading. <laughs> Or maybe if I can find it on audiobook, I don't have time to read these days. But you know, if I can find it in an audiobook form, that's great because I can drive and listen or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I get you. But look, this is a great show. Thank I'm going to call it a magical hour because I learned so much from you as well. Mm. The fact that you're here and that's your sister. So yeah. that means a lot to me. And I'm so proud of her work and your work. Yeah. And that connection is still there. Yeah. You know. But also, I'm not just NACP. I told you my background. My, my mm-hmm. dad, they, they were farmers. And so so that kind of insight about life itself and our abilities and to overcome different things is in my blood. Mm-hmm. Way before the NACP, mm-hmm. even after that. So, yeah. so I want you to know that as well. I'm, I'm an individual, basically. I think I'm on. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I, I did catch that. Um, I, I'm processing. I'm processing information. And I also, what I like to do, in all honesty is, you know, when I make a connection, especially one that's as, um, you know, that's really helping to advance our community, um, I like to, um, you know, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be a nuisance, but I like to, you know, stay connected. So I, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I'm, my mind is just churning on, you know, what that looks like. You know. Can you write this down, if you will? I will. On May 28th, on May 28th, at my alma mater, which is, uh, Houston Tilson University mm-hmm. from twelve to one thirty PM. Okay. At the uh, at the cafeteria. Got a friend of mine who lives in Ron Rock who is from Marobia, Liberia. Mm-hmm. Been in America a long time. He has an international solar energy business. Mm-hmm. His office is in, in, in on four different continents. Mm-hmm. It's right here in Austin, Texas. We're gonna have a greeting for him on that day at HT. Mm-hmm. Talk about his business, his opportunities, what he's doing in Central Texas. He wants to bring solar energy to black people who want it and also build international connections. He has a tourism company that's going to do a tour once a year from this area mm-hmm. to all the major nations of Africa. And mm-hmm. He's a friend of mine. I'm on, I'm on that board. Okay. So I want to make sure that's May 28th. You, you can be my guest. I, I want you to be there. I want you to see this because 
we have so many economic opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's my gift to you. May 28th. Right. I got it. Call me before then. You're uh-huh. my guest. Okay. You can talk about what you see on your radio show. I There's a whole world out there that we're not even touching. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I would definitely. I Actually, I put this in the on my calendar. So definitely, I'll, get you, I'll give you a call and I will definitely show up. Definitely. Please do, okay? Yes, I will. And okay. I want to, before you go, I want to ask you um, if you would like to, you know, if anyone wants to contact you, if you want to give out any information, any contact oh, sure. information. Okay, go ahead. That's all I do. That, that's <laughs> my job, really, is information. Okay. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> so what, what's, how can we reach you? What's your best contact? I'll give you a direct, I call it my hotline, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> 512-695-6674. 512, uh-huh. 6674. Okay. That's the hotline. Okay. That's the hotline. Do you do any any social media or anything like that? Oh, I do a lot of social media. In fact, right now, if you go to Nelson Linder Facebook, you see my whole life story, which is doing what I do right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you on Twitter or Instagram? I don't do it Twitter. I have a personal thing with Twitter. Sometimes you got to be reactive. I don't like yeah. being reactive because I say the wrong thing. Yeah. So I leave it. I leave it. On, <laughs> I leave it on Facebook. Okay. And we can research and that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, that's all. all right. So uh, do you want to? Um, you want me to add your uh, at the uh, NAACP website or? Sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. We do. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Okay. But I'm always current on Facebook because I'm doing things every day. Gotcha. I'm always putting stuff out there that folks can look at mm-hmm. that might not fit the current narrative on anything or everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I will definitely add all of that um, content, uh, contact information. And Ms. Linda, I thank you again for your hour and now uh, 10 minutes of your time. <laughs> and how I, I, I seem to always end this conversation is, I don't know what happens, but, you know, I start you know, these conversations and I would not have eaten before. So I'm going to get something to eat. What are you okay. going to do? <laughs> well, I had breakfast this morning, so I'm working. I'm in the legal clinic in my office today. Okay. So I'll be working until about 5 o'clock, just taking care of people and asking questions. All right. I'm doing the work. Okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, happy Mother's Day. Happy oh, Mother's Day. Well, Got thank you. Again. I'm not a mother, but I will pass it on to my mother and Katina. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> All okay. right. Well, thank you again, Miss Linda. You have an awesome day today. You too, okay? Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This week in Black Renaissance, I would like to introduce you to a young lady named Jax James. She joined TikTok at the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in March 2020. And this 18-year-old has been using her platform to inform and educate the masses ever since. Um, she uh, found her way on social media, uh, on the social on the social media platform during the rise of the Black Lives Matter protest in the summer of 2020, and she started creating videos that covered everything from systemic racism to feminism, increasing her followers and viewers with each video. Shortly after the killing of George Floyd in May 2020, she uploaded a video on TikTok sharing her initial thoughts on his death. Here's a quote from the young lady. She says, so many black boys have been turned into hashtags because they were existing. In subsequent videos, the performing artist student spoke directly to Black Lives Matter critics who proclaimed all lives matter and cherry picking activists who were selective in their support of black community. So, you know, this is, here's a young lady that just within a span of 
you know, just a few months, she was able to turn her, um, she was able to take a new platform and she, uh, she used it for more than just, uh, entertainment. She used it to educate and to inspire. And, you know, that's, you know, also what Black Renaissance is about, you know, it's about inspiring, you know, it's about, um, you know, uh, affecting change, you know, even through thoughts and expressions and, you know, sometimes it's not always physical. Sometimes it, it comes in ideas and in words and, you know, insp- inspirational words. And even at her young age, I guess 19 now, she has inspired, um, just so many people, um, to, uh, to what's going on, you know, within our communities. And, you know, with her being a a performing arts student, um, she probably has, was able to do this in a very creative way. So, you know, being able to take those creative, um, inclinations and use it to inspire the next person. Well, come on. Isn't that, isn't that Renaissance? (laughs) I mean, you know, that's what we've been doing. And it's great that, you know, we have our younger generations that, you know, they're not, you know, they're not using the same old formats. They're using creative ways to advance our our communities forward. So I thank you, Miss Miss Jax James, uh, for what you have contributed and what you will continue to contribute. Um, You are definitely the voice of our uh, future and this has been a moment in black renaissance i have been talking with and you've been listening to mr nelson linder the president of the austin chapter of the NAACP and as you could tell it was a lot of information a lot to process but I hope just like me that you've learned a lot and that you will continue the learning process I tell you it is a lot and I was amazed at how much I didn't know um now I don't agree with everything you know um because I don't agree with everything that anyone says uh but um, he, Mr. Linder, definitely gave me quite a bit to reconsider and to um, and to further examine. And so I thank him for that. Uh, and I, I, I meant what I said. I'm definitely going to um, do more reading as much as I can. Um, I don't know how much of <laughs> of anything is on audiobook format. Uh, these days that works best for me but or even podcasts you know uh that works best for me these days uh the reading um not so much but I will definitely put forth an effort and do what I can but uh, you know again it was just a great conversation um and this is one of those conversations you know I've had a few now where you know it really is addressing um well, I think all the conversations address things or situations that happens that that's currently happening in our communities. But um, we don't always come up with solutions or um, examine different solutions. Uh, so this is one of those few conversations where, you know, he he provided us with um, 
you know, several solutions, you know, one of which uh, become more um, uh, knowledgeable through reading and through, um, you know, interaction and just getting involved, you know. And so, you know, I'm definitely going to put forth more effort um, with regards to that. So listen, make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast if you haven't already. That's the only way that you're going to be able to stay, um, stay dialed in to the conversations that we're having. And, you know, they they're just going to get better and better. Listen, we have these conversations that are more mainstream and then we have some that are definitely on the fringe <laughs> and I'm not quite sure because you know they've been pretty tame so far but we're about to get you know we're about to get out there and so I might that might be a premium um that might be premium content I'm still trying to figure it out so um I don't know just stay dialed in so you'll know what's happening as soon as I know what's happening and um you guys will be um, or should be happy to know that I'm almost done with updating the website. I got a few more things that I need to tweak with it, and then it's going to be ready to launch live. I don't think it's going to go out today or tomorrow, whenever I <laughs> the episode is released, but um, it's going to come out pretty soon because now I I'm I got my moment. Oh wow, my momentum. <laughs> I got my momentum up and so we're going to um it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna be released uh or gonna be launched pretty soon so keep your eye out uh for that and you can connect with us on Facebook on Instagram at Natural Soul Conversations or In Soul Conversations you can also reach out to us via email at insoulconversations at gmail.com that's n-s-o-u-l conversations at gmail.com Make sure that you rate the, the show and the, the uh, podcast, well, the individual show, meaning the episode, and the podcast wherever you can. I believe that the only place that you can rate is on um, is through Apple Podcasts. But, you know, we're on so many different um, podcast platforms, and I haven't been able to individually listen to um, our the show on each of those platforms so there may be a way to rate there as well I'm not sure but I know if you are an Apple user then um, you can rate and please uh, do us a solid and and or do me a solid and rate the podcast give me a five star rating because anything less than that is just not worth it and we use those five stars, not just us, but it helps in the algorithms and it helps us to be searchable and visible to new listeners wanting to listen to content uh, of our, um, you know, what we provide. <laughs> so make sure that you help us out with that. We can also uh, still use your financial support. Um, right now we do have our current website, so you can tap us there and find out how you can support financially. And when the new website is launched, there will be different levels of how you can support. And we might even add some apparel and some other items. Well, we just have to see, just have to see. Um, I believe that's all for right now. Um, you know, I thank you guys again. I love doing these shows. 
you know i love when people um listen to the show and they provide feedback so hey that is a um that's a hint to provide uh, feedback um but i do get i do get some feedback i love it and i would like to get more of it so don't be shy and listen until we meet again keep the conversations going